Bear. That one. Is it moving now? Yes. Yes. yes okay. Well, anyway, the previous slides, uh, you've seen this already from the previous, uh, from last meeting. All right. Again. So it could be incomplete, only the mucosa or, in, or complete all layers of the rectal wall and the entire circumference is up. So you could just imagine, no, if, if, if that is out. These are some of the causes. And if you look at them, they all have this um, common denominator of straining, no? So um, heavy parasitism uh, could be one cause. Dystocia also, uh, urolithiasis intestinal neoplasms and foreign bodies, of course, especially if it's at the lower portion of the intestinal tract. Prostatic disease may also happen or may also cause this constipation, congenital defects, especially around the area. Post-optinesmus after perianal surgery. And in confined animals, slippery and sloping floor may, be, floor may be a factor. Like if you could just imagine if for 24 hours, seven days a week, you are standing on all fours, on all of your, um, you know, the, for the animal, let's say in a pig, uh, and the floor is slippery and it is sloping. Okay, especially if the lower portion is for the hind limbs. So you could just imagine the animal trying to keep from sliding. So uh, when that's happening, uh, there is actually straining going on as part of, you know, muscle contractions on the hind limbs and, and all of that. So in a prolonged period of time, it may actually cause rectal prolapse. So the treatment and prognosis depends on the cause, degree, or size of prolapse, if I have mentioned, chronicity, and then if it's acute or recurrent, and also, of course, the viability of exposed tissues. So medical management or, sorry, um, conservative management is manual redu reduction. So depending on the size or how much has protruded out. So of course, if it's incomplete, can just manually reduce it with your fingers, no? especially in dogs and cats, of course, with gloves on. Um, but if it has been out for quite some time, like more than you know, three hours or more, you'd expect it to be inflamed. And so then you would want uh, the inflammation to be reduced. You may use ice. You may use sugar solution. And this sugar solution is actually more commonly used in large animals. But of course, you could still also use it in um, small animals. No? So again, you may or may not use them. And then after you have reduced it, meaning you have pushed it back in, that's what you mean by manual reduction, you've pushed it back in. Then you put a purse string suture pattern around the anus. Okay, so purse string suture pattern is used to close either temporarily or permanently a circumferential opening. So the anus is a very good example of this. Other examples for that would be like if you're going to put a catheter 
or feeding tube no through a hollow organ so like in the urinary bladder so if you need to put a catheter you know through the urinary bladder wall then you put a purse string suture around that now and so as you tighten it it will tighten the the opening now of course then you'll be thinking how will the animal defecate so there are two options you can either put it loosely meaning you put the purse string suture and tighten it just enough for some of the feces to come out but not large enough for the rectal mucosa and the rectal prolapse to recur so just enough for the feces to pass through another option also is um, you put in the purse string suture and then you release it twice to three times a day usually around the time after feeding because then that's the time that you would expect the animal to defecate have you ever noticed that <laughs> uh yeah i think i've mentioned that in medicine no? that you usually in a normal situation defecate after a meal usually breakfast but then again it depends on your schedule but in animals um that would be the case however if uh there's a long uh, part of the rectum that is everted, no? then you may have to do rectal resection and anastomosis. So the illustration, again, speaks a thousand words. So as you can see, the animal is on ventral recumbency. It's also called sternal recumbency. And notice the restraints done on the hind limb may or may not put also on the forelimb and the tail you know, is uh, also restrained and then uh, the hind limbs are higher than the forelimbs just for a better visualization of the area and also to facilitate uh, the reduction for pushing it in so that you know the gravity will help you with that also as you push it in then of course uh draping it and then on the illustration letter c illustration as you can see there um that's a very uh, familiar figure <laughs> placed inside the rectum and that is a test tube right so the test tube is placed in there or actually any uh, tubular uh, gadget may be used. So you could also use a glass rod, although, you know, the chance of it breaking is also there. Again, it will depend on how the tissues would look like. Um, okay, so what's nice about the test tube is that it, of course, this could also be a plastic test tube. It doesn't have to be a glass is that it's it's also cylindrical and then when you do put in your stay suture it will not penetrate through so the test tube is placed in there so that your stay suture or your needle will not go through the other part now or the the ventral portion of that Oh yeah, I have a pointer. Can you see my pointer, class? Yes. Yes. Okay, perfect. So 
the the this tube will uh, stop this needle from puncturing this mucosa. Okay, so that's why um, it would be nice if you have this. Because if you don't have anything to put in between, you cannot demarcate, you know, where is this mucosa and that mucosa, you know, the one that's across it. So, and then as you can see here in letter D, uh, there are three stay sutures. And this is to facilitate uh, location, no, again, so that this... Uh, the inner portion and the outer portion will not be askew. You know, it will, you'll be able to suture them uh, where they should be sutured together. Okay, so usually this rectal resection and anastomosis is confined to cases wherein the everted portion, this portion is already necrotic, gangrenous, you know, so it's the same as that for the intestinal resection and anastomosis inside, right? So, and you would expect that to happen if the rectal prolapse has been there for quite some time. So there's already dryness and fissures on the mucosa. You don't want to put that back in because most likely that one is not uh, viable anymore and will not function as the rectum should function, okay? So um, then the suturing, you know, to suture them together, it's just interrupted suture pattern. Of course, you could also use um, what? Uh, mattress suture, if you so like. Again, as I have said, a lot of these decisions are usually dependent on the surgeons. So after um, suturing this, then you can just put that back in, push that back in, and then put a first string suture around the anus. Okay. Uh, you may also put topical anesthetic ointment. You instill that rectally after correction. Again, that would stop or prevent the animal from straining immediately after the surgery and you know, give it time for the inflammation to go down. Of course, um, you give antibiotics, you may give it, you know, injectable or oral, uh, and antibiotics should be one that would be effective even against um, anaerobes because that those anaerobes, you'd expect it to be present in the distal intestinal segment. Questions at this point, anyone? Out of the health. Uh, yes. Okay. Ah, none. Okay. <laughs> Doc, question po. Yes, go. Uh, regarding po yung sa release of the um the purse string suture pattern, yung every two or three times a day you release it, do you cut the suture and then you have to put it back on two to three times a day every time you yeah. release? Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. Thank you, Unless, of course, um, unless, of course, the animal, you know, once you release it, the animal will. But then, no, because eh, usually it will be difficult to, it will be difficult to cut and then suture again. Usually, yeah, you will have to remove the whole thing. Because it's not the kind of, it's not like a ribbon, you know, on a gift that you can release and then it's still there. 
you know, it's still in the tissues and then you can tie it up again. And that would be quite difficult because the suture material that we use, you know, it's not that type wherein you can just release it and then just tie it together again using the same one. Okay. Ayan na pokpok sabi ko sa inyo. Sorry ha. With construction going on. Yeah. Thank you for your question. Any other questions? Okay, so reserve your questions. If you do have other questions, you can chat it up, but I'll be able to see that when I stop sharing. Let's go to our anal sacs or the, the dog's anal sac. So anal sacs in dogs uh, releases its secretion on a regular basis and it's usually to put markings and it's for territorial marking and including their feces. So you would expect every time that the animal defecates, the anal sac will be squeezed because of its location, which is just at the opening no, of the anus. And so uh, a hard, you know, or a firm stool would definitely um, do that. And because uh you know as it passes by it would squeeze everything on the side so again including the sap and the gland and so then it will um, release its secretion into the stool so that the stool is actually coated with the dog's unique scent from its um, anal gland that nice. That's why when they, whenever they smell feces, you know, they know that, okay, this is mine. You know, okay, this is not mine. Who else has been here? You know, and that type of conversation, quote unquote, is going on in their head. So then they know that another dog or even another cat has been in the area. And usually what they would do would be to, especially if they're territorial, they're alpha male and that type, um, they would either urinate over that location where the feces of the other other individual is there you know or um, either urinate over that or defecate over that also again to mark that yeah it's it's mine you know, it's not yours okay so then um this sac is prone to prone to impaction and obstruction in this area yeah and so when that happens usually that happens when there's a most common would be a chronically soft stool or chronic diarrhea okay because as the stool passes the anus um because of its because of its consistency that it's loose, it can actually, uh, you know, go into this opening and then eventually push through. And then when that takes up, then it could uh, obstruct, you know, the, the passage. And the anal sac and the anal gland is continuously secreting its secretions. So the same as that with the salivary gland, when the duct is obstructed 
and I'm sure Doc Rio has mentioned this to you, when the duct is obstructed, you know, the, the saliva would continuously be created by the body, and so then it would cause enlargement, you know, of the gland and the sac, and um, cause uh, abscission eventually. And then the, the secretion has to be released out from the sac. So what would happen would be the animal will try to uh, push it out. And if this is obstructed, then fistula could be created here. Okay? So mabubutas siya, no, ng sarili niya. Tapos magkakaroon ka ng fistula. And then pwedeng hindi lang isa. It could be more than one. So then you call that fistula kasi marami na sila. So yun yung sinasabi ko na you have to map it out so that you'll be able to remove them also when you do have to remove them. The illustration on the left is the manual expression of that. Now, usually this manual expression is done by groomers and supposedly they say that it's part of the hygiene. But then if you think about it, you know, um, stray dogs, nobody expresses their gland and they're fine. <laughs> they don't have any abscess at their, on their behind. I have had dogs and I have never expressed their glands and their sac. So, and then they were fine also. So I guess it would depend on the, on the management. No? And then if you think about it also, those that are groomed on a regular basis, usually they would also be on commercial dog food diet and commercial dog food diet tends to make the feces softer than the normal ones. I mean, you know, the normal stool of a dog that has been fed table food. I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's my observation. Okay. Anyway, on the other hand, if there's no inflammation and it is expressed, you know, the animal will just create more secretion. So, in a way, no harm done. And also, in the, with the, from the groomer's point of view, when they do that, if there would be any um, obstruction that is forming, they can actually express it also. Yeah, and that, in that aspect, then it's also good. Okay. So, again, it may or may not be done. So, uh, if you do have to remove the sac, so we call this anal saculectomy, close techniques per preferred because no muscles are transected. And also, there would be no spillage of the secretions and, you know, other bacteria that would be in the sac. So, the lumen of the sac remains closed and there's no contact between the secretions and the adjacent tissues. So, it will be less smelly. Oh, yeah, right. The secretion of the anal sac is grayish-brown and it is described as malodorous. I'm like probably, you know, smelling the stool of your, of your dog. You don't want that. <laughs> so these are the two techniques, no? so the close and the open technique. Again, the picture says a thousand words. So these are illustrations from Fosun, which you also have access to. So for the closed technique, you can either um, put in a hemostatic forceps uh, through the opening. Uh, that's the, that's the, how do you say that, uh, challenge there to look for that opening. Um, 
So this hemostatic forceps is placed through the opening until it reaches the end of the sac. So until it reaches here. This broken line will show you where the incision on the skin would be. Okay. And the muscles are um, just parted to look for this sac. And of course, it looks so nice here because it looks like this anal sac is uh, normal, right? There's no problem. But if this is problematic, and this can be, be really big. Of course, you do the close technique if there are still no fistulae happening. Wala pa fistula na nangyari, no? Hindi pa siya butas. However, that is not to say that iatrogenically, you could puncture that as you are manipulating it. Meaning, you know, during surgery, you punctured this. You as a surgeon. No? So that's a term, iatrogenic. Um, it happens in the clinic, in the vet hospital. So, yeah. So that could also happen. So when that happens, then you can um, just continue. Just make sure that you're getting the whole sack. You know, you, you do not leave any... Uh, wall of the sac inside okay so just ligate at the neck and then after and then transect remove and then just close the skin normally for open technique um in here you cut the skin so you actually put this one time of the or the jaw of the scissors through the opening and then cut throughout no from the skin, sub-Q, and then even the muscles. Okay, so the external anal sphincter muscle is also um, transected. Okay, so when are you going to do this? So probably you do this if there are a lot of fistulations and you have to you have to explore you know, the area and then um, remove them. Okay, and then... Uh, yeah, and then after that, you just suture it normally, meaning interrupted suture. Another option also, and this is from Slater's book, another option also is to put in wax or resin into the anal sac. So instead of the hemostat going in to demarcate kung nasaan yung sac, resin or uh, resin or wax is used to put in. And so then that's the incision and then trying to look for it. So of course, this is a closed technique. Yeah, and that's how it would look like. And that's what the anal sac would look like. Of course, oh yeah, another... Another indication for also for an anal saculectomy is tumor, tumorous, no? if there's tumor in the anal sac or even abscess. Now, perineal hernia, this is not in your original um, readings. But while I was going through the reading, so this is the part where I said that I edited it. Perineal hernia should be included because this is quite common. And it's, it's in chapter 18 of the book. So... I just want to direct your attention to it that this is a common common uh, case that you would see in the in the clinic. 
And so usually this happens when the perineal muscles separate or there's a weakened diaphragmatic, uh, pelvic diaphragm muscles. And depending on where it is happening, it's called different names. And if this is associated with male hormones, also associated with straining and congenital or acquired muscle weakness or atrophy. So usually um, in the perineal hernia, you would expect, yeah, so this is an example of that. Although this one has perineal hernia before and then it, it went through a trauma, uh, an accident. So, you know, uh, a lot of the intestinal tract is out. Ingay, sorry, Kuya, saglit. For a while, for a while, for a while. Wait, wait, I can't see you. Nasaan na kayo? Wait lang. Okay, ha, sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Okay, back to this. Uh, present now your entire window. Class, can you hear me? Yes, Doc. Yes, Doc. Did you see the change? Of the slide? No. Yes. Figure. Hindi lang po siya presentation. Pardon? Hindi po siya naka-present. Ah, ganun? Hmm. Bakit? Hindi siya naka-present slide. Hindi po. Hindi po daw. Yan. Hindi pa rin? Okay, so what could possibly um, spill out, no? or what they call retroflexion. What would spill out into the perineal hernia? So it could be anything that could be found in the caudal abdomen. So in like in this case, uh, there's the intestinal, uh, you know, part of the intestine. So most likely this would be the rectum, the colon. Uh, I can't see small intestine, but you know, it, well, just safe to say intestines can get out of there. Also, urinary bladder is a common one. Prostate gland, if it's a male. And then uterus could also happen. So there was this one case presentation done by a student. no? And then it was a cat. And the, the owner saw the 
bulging, well, that was a term, the bulging of the cats behind for the past month. Can you imagine that? And then it's getting bigger. Only to find out that the uterus has, the pregnant uterus has herniated to the back and the fetus was actually growing. But the part of the uterus was still inside the abdomen, so it was still intra-abdominal. So when they did eventually ended up uh, fixing the hernia, uh, the intra-abdominal kittens were bigger than those that were found in the herniated sac. And then, yeah, but it was alive, no? But uh, they had to they had to abort it because the time when they fixed the hernia the kittens were not yet mature enough to leave no so ano pa sila mas bata pa sila they cannot they cannot uh, leave no but they were alive so they had to be killed i mean you know euthanized but anyway so those could could happen right and that herniation it wasn't like this as what we're seeing on the photo uh, I didn't get it, but you could also see on, on Fosum another picture wherein there's just that bulge no, from the behind. And it would have all of this. So definitely in such a case, uh, erneurophy must be done. And it is considered an emergency erneurophy when it involves the urinary bladder and there is visceral entrapment, meaning... Um, the animal will not be able to uh, defecate or there will be strangulation of the viscera that has uh, everted out or had, that has spilled out, retroflexed. And then the treatment there, you have to relieve and prevent constipation because that would be a common thing to happen. Also to relieve and prevent dysuria and definitely, as I have mentioned, organ strangulation. And Male animals, supposedly, if they're still intact, then you can do orchiectomy because they say that uh, castrated animals would have twice or a little bit more than twice uh, the chance of having perineal hernia. So there are different techniques. There's the traditional and then the internal obturator roll-up or transposition technique. And I think this is the more commonly done technique. But you can use any of the following to close the hernia, any of the muscles, the fascia lata, synthetic mesh, and dermal collagen. And there are also cases where in combination is done. So there's a transposition technique and plus putting in a synthetic mesh. So... This synthetic mesh, mesh is usually preferred, especially if the hernia is quite large and, you know, a lot of the viscera has uh, retroflexed. You know? So, nila yun for supposedly uh, mas kampante sila no, when they're done with it because of that synthetic mesh. So, in the traditional technique, just be using um, the muscles no, to close it up uh with all of this 
And it would be nice if you're gonna do this with an anatomist beside you, no? Katabi mo si Doc Ariel or si Doc Aron, pag ginagawa mo to, tapos sasabihin niya, oh, yan yung external anal sphincter, yan yung internal obturator muscle, etc. But definitely, when you're doing this surgery, you cannot help but you have to identify, you know, all of these muscles. So if Doc Aron or Doc Ariel is not beside you, then have your anatomy book beside you or your surgery book so that you can identify this and know which ones to do so. So this is the transposition technique wherein you need to transect and elevate the internal obturator muscle. So in this case, you need to uh, transect it and lift it out of the issue. Okay, and then oppose the external anal sphincter with the internal, the levator ani first, and then the internal obturator uh, muscle. Okay, so then that this one is mostly preferred, um, especially Doc Ray has been doing a lot of uh, perineal hernia. And I think this, if I'm not mistaken, this would be next to uh, orthopedic surgery. Um, as his favorite <laughs> procedure to do because it's quite challenging because it's, you know, different cases would give different um, presentation on how this would look like because you never know what what organs are out, you know, and that kind of thing. So that type keeps the excitement going for the surgeon. <laughs> okay, so the first oral intake after surgery of the perineum rectum Anus would be in 8 to 12 hours for water if there's no vomiting and a normal diet in 48 to 72 hours. Okay. Bland, low-fat food, three, three to four times a day for rectal surgery and a normal diet at first feeding. Now, again, give stool softener, also known as emollient laxative, when oral intake begins for two weeks or as needed. Okay, especially for the um, rectal prolapse. Warm compress may also be done two to three times a day for 15 to 20 minutes. Again, uh, troublemakers would be depression, high fever, abdominal tenderness, vomiting, ileus, or perineal inflammation. Again, ileus is uh, no peristalsis that would result to obstruction of the intestine. Okay. Um, other troublemakers, tenesmus, hematochesia. Tenesmus is the clinical sign of straining. Hematochesia is uh, fresh blood in the stool. Okay, and then fecal incontinence. Fecal incontinence, kind of like urinary incontinence. You know, the animal doesn't have any control over the voiding of the feces in this case. So most likely, um, you know, uh, one example that was given was the animal would release gas and part of, uh, you know, uh, some of the feces would also go out with the gas. So that is considered fecal incontinence. And that, although that is usually temporary and passing, but the more permanent fecal incontinence would be, you know, it's a continuous thing. Basta na lang lalabas yung feces. Can you imagine that? 
Okay, then you can give analgesics, of course, NSAIDs as necessary, and then early ambulation and eating are encouraged to minimize ill use. And then part of the post-op care would be to protect the surgical site, so you don't want the animal leaking the site. So you may put Elizabethan color, a bucket, or sidebars. And then the, the first string, you remove it in two to three days. Again, depending on how the animal is responding to the procedure. And of course, and I think I forgot to mention this, when there is rectal prolapse, you have to check what caused it. Because rectal prolapse is just a clinical sign that something went wrong or something's going on. You know, why is the animal straining for a longer period of time? So probably there's heavy parasitism. So, you know, you're a very good surgeon. You did your surgery well, but then you didn't deworm the animal. So then parasitism is still there. And so definitely it could recur. So those are, you know, and then if it's dystocia, of course, you have to address. You may have to do cesarean session if needed. And then again, address the rectal problem. So, you know, those kind of things. Again, always go back to what's causing it and then address that. Okay. So diagnosis is very important. Okay. So questions at this point? Again, I'll turn on my video. Questions at this point? Wow, grave. <laughs> Resounding silence. So I don't know if I if you understood or you did not understand anything uh, with my with my uh, rumbling. But anyway, if there are no more questions, uh, we'll leave it up to you to uh, read up more. So again, I just discussed some of the common conditions that may be encountered in class, uh, sorry, in, in practice, and how to address them surgically. Okay, are there any questions? May I request you to turn on your video, especially if, you know, your data would allow it. So that I can see you naman na may tao dyan. <laughs> Yan, I can see. Hi, oh nga pala my chat. Wait, 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 wait. Wait. Okay. Yun, thank you for logging. I mean, you know, thank you for turning on your your video and showing me your beautiful and handsome faces. Of course. No. Mr. Javier, you still don't have any. <laughs> okay. Um, any questions, please? Hello. Hello. Yes. I just want to ask, what does the male hormones have to do with perineal hernia? How does it cause it? What's the mode of action? That's a very good question. I haven't thought of that. I haven't thought of that. Could you imagine? Wait, I'll get back to you on that. Thank I should you, be looking into it. Um, I really don't know. I really don't know. I'm so bad. Wait, I should know. But it doesn't mean also that the females don't get this. Remember, dystocia is also one of the causes, right? So it could also happen. Um, I'll get back to you on that because I want to have a more concrete um, answer. So it's either next meeting or I'll post it as a comment on the presentations. 
Okay. The new PowerPoint has already been uploaded earlier today. Um, yeah. Miss Claraval, you, you also asked that question if the new PowerPoint is to be uploaded. So I just uploaded it. I hope you'll see that. The slides that I used is the PowerPoint number two. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. Any other questions? And how come I don't see everyone? I not show everyone. I can't see everyone. Siyempre, wala namang ano, di ba? There's really no... Um, any other questions, please? Surgery, no. medicine? Yes, po. Um, sabi niyo po yung castrated animal mas prone to perineal hernia. Ano pong reason about uh, behind that? No, um, thank or you for that. Baliktad siya. Baliktad. So, it's actually 2.7 na nakita nila na less likely to have perineal hernia if they are castrated. Sorry if I if I twisted the two. Okay? Thank you. In large animal, usually they wouldn't know. I mean, you know, when you see it, um, you usually will not know if it's a male or a female. I mean, is that even a thing? Uh, so, you know, those would be, when you do see that enlargement at behind of the animal, then, um, yeah, dystocia could be also a thing to think about. Tapos makita mo male pala. Okay, remove from the differentials. <laughs> So that could happen, okay? Any other questions? But definitely, yeah, you have to check for parasitism because it's something, you know, as I have said in medicine, parasite or parasitism is something that is easily addressed, right? Um, so you have to address that and then check. Okay. I think also in large animals, they have seen that a decrease in lysine but I don't know what's the mode of action there. No? A decrease in lysine in the diet could also cause rectal prolongs. I don't know why. But they've, they've seen that as a factor. Any other questions, please? Either related to this or the previous lecture, still on the intestine. Doc, I, may, parang, parang may nabasa po akong article about the, bakit mas prone yung castrated dogs? Mm -hmm. Non-castrated dog, non males po pala. Kasi okay. po, ano po, uh, di ba po pag-castration na uh, nawawala po yung function ng most accessory sex or uh, accessory sex organs. So, kasama po dun yung prostate. Pag nag, parang based po sa pagkakaalala ko, parang non-castrated males po, since active po po yung sex organs nila, pati yung prostate, like nagkakaroon po ng prostatic pressure from the okay. animal. So, parang nagpo-push nagpo po siya dun sa, sa perineal area. So, nagkakaroon po ng hernia sa alam ko po. Okay, thank you. That's a, yeah, it, it sounds uh, correct, no? Thank you for sharing that, uh, Mr. Capiseño. Another thing also, uh, another thing also for females, no? Usually, a female that would have uh, multiparud is that a term? <laughs> You've done several uh, pregnancy and, you know, normal vaginal birthing could actually weaken also the pelvic diaphragm. 
So that's why for females and even for humans, <laughs> I think for humans it's more um, prone. Why? Because we're standing up. Where's our pelvic diaphragm? It's underneath us. And then all the whole trunk, the whole abdomen is weighing onto your pelvic diaphragm. Okay? So if if you have, if you know of someone, like, you know, senior citizen, and has had at least three children uh, born normally, not cesarean section, you ask them how is, most likely they would have urinary incontinence. They may have, but not necessarily so fecal incontinence, but usually they're more prone to um, perineal urnia also. So like when they cough or when they sneeze, urine would come out. That's urinary incontinence. This is in humans, ah. So you ask, you know, somebody like your lola, siguro na sang dosena yung anak, or again more than three, you ask them, and that's that's more common. So this could also happen even in animals. Although if you think about it, the pelvic diaphragm is actually vertical, no. But then still, if they're straining, and then it's multiparus na naka ilang anak na, so. The, the diaphragm, the pelvic diaphragm is weakened. So yun yung ano, acquired na yun. Hindi na siya congenital weakening. Okay? So, any other questions? Thank you again, Mr. Capiseño, for sharing that. The, uh, which reminded me also when, uh, also mentioned that when, when the prostate gland is also uh, retroflexed, you know, it came out, it's in the urnial sac you need to also do biopsy of the prostate gland. So yeah, I think it will be related to what uh, Mr. Capicino mentioned. Okay. Uh, in cases where in the urinary bladder is retroflex, the urinary bladder is what is inside the urinal sac. Uh, what you need to do before, you know, making any incisions would be to decompress that. So you can actually do cystocentesis. So you puncture it with uh, with a large syringe, probably a 5 or a 10 ml syringe, and then remove all the urine that you put before making any incision. So then you will have less chance of that, uh, you know, contaminating your surgical site. And usually, um, urethral catheterization would be a bit difficult because of, you know, the position of the bladder. So, baka mahirapan ka magpasok kung magpasok ka ng catheter. But, of course, you could always try. Yep. Any other questions? We still have nine minutes before nine o'clock. Again, questions from this meeting or last meeting? Um, Just a reminder, your quiz, please. And then also, if you do have a group chat or, you know, whatever, uh, please also mention to the others. There's only a few. There are only a few uh, quizzes uh, turned in yet from last meeting. So, you know, we have four quizzes, okay? And you have, anyway, the, the, just, I hope you stick to the deadline. Okay. Any other questions, please? Uh, hello, Doc. Yes, uh, Mr. Question, question lang po sa resectioning. Mm -hmm. uh, ano, tawag dito, for yung rectal prolapse, yung resectioning, uh, what kind of suture po yung gagamitin po? 
uh, when closing up the the remaining rectum or large yeah. intestine. Yeah, to anastomose, during the anastomosis. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, usually you would use a monofilament. A monofilament, monofilament simple interrupted. Yes, so, uh, simple interrupted. Monofilament, depending on the size of the animal, it could be 2 odd or 3 odd, depending on the size of the animal. You know, larger animals like carabao and stuff, you might have to use the O um, size. But usually, because of the, you would expect there will be, you would expect bacterial infection in the area, or it's a very high bacterial load in the area, monofilament would be better um, suture material to use because the monofilament, when you look at it under the microscope, like, you know, scanning electron microscopy, you will just have this one, because it's mono, right? It's just one strand, okay? So there would be less surface area for the bacteria to lodge on. Compare that to a twisted suture, which was not very common, but a twisted one would just have two strands and then they would be twisted like this, you know, and then like a DNA strand. So that's a twisted one. You'll have more surface area there. Diba? Mas maraming maglalodge. Mas maraming areas where the bacteria could lodge and, you know, other secretions of the animal. More so with a braided because the braided suture material would have three strands that would be braided, like you would with the hair. I can't do that in my hair. <laughs> you have three strands that are braided, you know, so on on uh, transverse section, you have this, sorry, <laughs> you have these three strands, so then you'll have more surface area for the bacteria, the secretions, the pus, to attach to. But if it's a monofilament, iisa lang siya. Isang ganyan lang siya. So, you know, if it's a monofilament, then to just slide off. Okay? So, again, monofilaments are usually used for areas wherein you would expect a high bacterial load or if it's an abscessed area or abscessed tissues or you would expect more secretions in the area, then you use monofilament. One disadvantage of monofilament, though, it is more prone to um, letting go. Yung unfurl, what's that term? It 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 self unties. All that the, the the knot is not so secure. Is the term. <laughs> okay. Dehiscence, so though. Yeah, dehiscence. But the dehiscence is yeah. The the dehiscence would be from untying. Because of the again, how it looks like on transperception. All right. Thank you. I think from surgery one, you've met, uh, you have uh, learned that the way to choose the size of the suture material, you have to weigh in a lot of things. So it should be able to hold until the tissue has has a post you know, uh, whatever function you want it to be. And so it should not be, it should not be absorbed by the body ahead of the time of healing, right? So that's one uh, consideration. And then 
The other one also is that it should be strong enough that it will hold the tissue that you are opposing or that you're putting together. So the size, again, it would depend on the tissue actually that you are opposing. Okay. And of course, the higher the number, the smaller the diameter, right? So for the eyes, usually we would use a 5 to 10 odd. Ganun mga liliit na. It's like uh, hair strand that small. Okay? Any other? Any other? We have four more minutes. Doc, yes. Sa fistula po, um, when there's a draining trap, you just parang clean it and then you just close it. That's that's all you do. Yes. Well, if you could remove the trap itself, then that would be better. That's why it's better to map it. And then, of course, no, I forgot to mention, uh, but you have to uh, lavage, like you have to with NSS, no? To remove all of the secretions and all of the debris that would be in there. But yeah, for the fistula, you have to remove everything if you could. Although, let's just say you missed, you know, a couple. What will happen? Um, usually, a fistula, especially if it's intact, you would expect that there would be foreign materials in there or there would be still secretions in there. So that may actually cause also abscessation. So that's why you, that's what you want to prevent from happening. But if it's quote unquote clean, it will be absorbed by the body. So uh, monitoring that would be part of your monitoring of the suture uh, the, of the area post post op. So that's why you need to see the animal, you know, one or two weeks after, so that you can see, you know, how is it healing? Did you miss anything? And that kind of thing. Thank you. Any other questions? Any other questions? How are your operative reports for the lab section? You're passing it. Yes, that's Madam. good. Yes, Podok. That's good. Speaking of operative reports, I yes, ang ginagawa ko kasi is para bang depende kasi sa instruction kasi last time ang instruction sa amin is gumawa ng operative report about this specific procedure hindi yung parang yung operative report na binigay sa video yung ginawa ginawa ko kundi yung operative report parang ikaw yung gumawa tapos yung previous kasi gumawa ka ng operative report based sa ginawa sa animal is yung video na pinakita, yun na rin yung ginawa kong operative report based doon sa ginawa. Right? Tama yung ginagawa ko naman po so far po, di ba? Basta you're sticking to this, the, because it could be either one. It could be either the video that was given to you and say, you know, you do your operative report based on this. So that's one. Uh, but if the teacher told you na you make an operative report based on the video that you made yourself, and then do that. Oh, I should do that, no? You're not a lab section. You should do that now. Make your video yourself and then let's do an operative report. Thank you, Mr. Sapuay, for that hint. Sige. Oh, mga sa section ko. Pag-isip-isip na kayo. Papagawa ko kayo ng video. Anyway, again, uh, 
both things, protocol, very briefly, uh, protocol and then operative report. The difference between the two, operative report is what has happened already. The protocol is what should happen in the future. You know, like if you're going to do a surgical procedure, what are the steps to do? That's a protocol. An operative report is this is what happened during the surgery that happened, you know, in the video or what I saw. So that's the difference between the two. Okay. So very good example there is there was a fountain of blood. You don't never see that in protocol. <laughs> you never see a fountain of blood in the protocol. But definitely in the operative report, that